Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Hello, bookity friends. This is Shannon, and I am here with, of course, an author interview and your guide to the week's new releases. I'm super excited to share this interview with you today. It's one that Brooke and I did with Canadian author Ellie Beals, whose first novel, Emergence, came out at the end of January. And this was such a lot of fun, I think especially if you are a dog person, kind of an outdoorsy person, I think you'll really enjoy the interview. Brooke and Ellie both love dogs so incredibly much, and you can tell that just as they talk about the book and their own kind of experiences with dogs. I just think it is a great, great interview. So stay tuned for that in just a moment. So I'm going to give you the usual housekeeping information, and then we'll get right into the interview, followed by some talk about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I have Brooke here with me today for her very first author interview. And we have author Ellie Beals, who is here to chat with us about a novel that she just recently released. So, Ellie, thank you so much for agreeing to join us this afternoon. Thank you, Shannon. I am just delighted to do my very first podcast ever. That's amazing. So can you start by giving listeners kind of a brief introduction to Emergence? Sure. Uh, Emergence is the story of a sort of spiral of danger that starts when two very unlikely characters meet in the woods of West Quebec. One of them is a middle-aged woman named Cass Harwood, who is a dog trainer and a backwoods recreationist. And by that, I mean somebody who skis and hikes and kayaks in the bush. And she and her husband have a cabin on Lac Rouge. The other person is Xavier, who is an adolescent who was raised in isolation at Lac Rouge by his anarchist father. And he's been raised to be a woodsman and a hunter and an acute observer of everything around him. And that's really how he first encounters Cass, 
unknown to her, he observes her in an ongoing surveillance that he calls just watching for many months. And because he is such an expert woodsman, she is unaware of the fact that she's being surveilled. Through this process, Xavier becomes enthralled first with her dogs and eventually with the whole Harwood crew and eventually decides to engineer a meeting. And as a result of this meeting, he and Cass start to develop an edgy kind of friendship. And it's the evolution of this relationship which really sets, sets in motion all of the big action that unfolds in Emergence. So is this your first novel then? This is very much my first novel. Congratulations. And I'm and- old, so it's notable <laughs> that it's a first novel. Where can people find it? Um, are you selling pretty much like wherever books are sold or just through specific retailers? It's, it's online. So um, it, you can purchase it from Amazon. And uh, that's probably the main Canadian one. The American buyers also have some other options, including Amazon. But it's I also bit- got Apple Books. Oh, okay. Apple Books and um, oh God, there are there are a couple of others. Sorry, can't remember them. Is it obvious I'm not all that much into the marketing angle? <laughs> it's okay. It took fifty years to write the book, and the marketing was very much an afterthought. Um, <laughs> But you can get it in paperback, hardcover, and ebook through the vendors. Perfect. I get the good questions. So I know that Chuff was, his inspiration was Fracas or Fracas. I can't remember how to say his name totally. Fracas. Fracas. And in um, French, it's Fracas. Okay. Well, I know for um, Chuff is that's his inspiration but what is your inspiration for your other two dogs in the book? Katrinka who is an important character actually was modeled very very closely on one of our our little girls who is gone now so she was modeled on uh, my husband David's partner Roxanne and Zeke is kind of a, uh, a hybrid. He's got lots of the qualities of our two existing males now, Gyro and Shine. So his predatory nature is very much from our boy Gyro. And uh, his, his occasional fierceness probably comes from my little boy Shine. That's really neat for me because Arizona is um, Shine's brother, uh, sister. So That's right. I can definitely see some of uh, Arizona in uh, Zeke. Yeah, there are definitely family resemblances in the take old dogs, no doubt about yeah. it. I loved how you um, incorporated your love of obedience into your book. Was it hard for you not to get too technical when you were like doing things like describing to um, Xavier how you do your training? That was a, it was a great challenge and it was tremendously fun. One of the things that I wanted to accomplish when I set out the book was to create dogs that people like you and I would find believable because typically in, in reading, when I encounter a canine character, I don't buy it. So I wanted the dogs to be real, but I also wanted to try to transmit my love 
of obedience. And the difficulty, of course, is always figuring out how to give enough so that hopefully you interest people and you help them understand, but that you don't bore them into oblivion. <laughs> that and, totally uh, makes sense to me. Oh, I, I just finished reading um, the Topeka School. Uh, do, do either of you guys know it? I have it I've here. Heard, I've not read it. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Very, very interesting. At parts, I didn't like it at all. I eventually ended up being very glad that I, I read it and I thought it was a very good book. But the guy has a background as a debater. And oh. <laughs> the rules of debate function heavily in the book. And it really caused me to think a lot about what I had done with obedience training in, um, in emergence, because it was in the sections where he wrote about debate, where I almost junked the book. Right? <laughs> I powered through it, but it made me realize how difficult for any author it is to inject elements of something in which you're truly expert and about which you're completely passionate without boring the hell out of your reader. Or else totally, making it feel inadequate. I totally get that. I really liked how you, as you said, you made the canine characters very realistic. Like I liked how Katrinka was very much her own person. And I liked how she kind of reminds me of uh, Kiana. Because Kiana, my girl, who's Arizona's daughter, she's very much her own person. And she lets you know if you do something that she doesn't like or so one thing that her thing is she knows my husband can give her eye contact. So if she's trying to play with him and he's not really paying attention, he's kind of just going through the, like the actions, yeah. she will bark at him. So that's why it made me laugh when Katrinka kind of just did her own thing and like became friends with Xavier. Well, and, and any of us who were really involved with dogs know that each one of them is unique and is distinct as a personality. And it was one of the things I, I'm so glad to hear that that came across because one of the reasons that I wanted to do this and to, to make each dog a character was because I find so often that the dogs that I encounter in fiction just appear to be kind of generic dogs. And they so, always tend to be perfect, which I, as we all know, their dogs are not perfect. They are so not. <laughs> Neither are we, so why should That's we expect the point. Yes. So obviously you you know wouldn't have to do a ton of research in sort of the training um, aspect of the novel, but did you find other things that you needed to research, or was this pretty much um, all things that you had experience with? Well, I am essentially, I believe, a tremendously lazy guy. So <laughs> one of the criteria for, for writing a book was that I didn't want to have to do heavy research. Uh, so that something like Emergence, which is very much in, in my world, uh, made a lot of sense for me. However, I am not a hunter. And I don't know if you guys have gotten far enough in the book to uh, know that hunting does take pride of place in, in some very important developments in the book. And because of that, I did have to do research. And Brooke Sillaby, you will be pleased to know that the people upon whom I relied for that were Anne and Jeff Bendig, 
who is the breeder, by the way, Shannon, for, for our dogs, respectively. But <laughs> very good field trainers and hunters. So I spent a lot of time on the phone with Ann and Jeff before doing the hunting sections. And I sent them the, the portions of the book in which featured hunting scenes to make sure that they passed muster. That's so neat. I love when people are able to find kind of good sources for information, not just to get the information, but also to have someone just kind of look over and say, yeah, you know, this really encompasses like what I think of whenever I think of this particular thing. Um, so often people just sort of make things up and hope <laughs> it works and it doesn't sometimes. Well, I am a tremendously cautious human. So that is that is definitely not my approach. You, um, I don't know, what, again, whether you've gotten far enough in the book, but the concept of improvisation, of knowing when to play it by ear and when not to, has been a theme throughout my life because I am a chronic over-preparer and over-planner. So, I can see that in uh, Xavier's character, how it, he... I how he uses improv and he there's certain times when he feels that using improvisation improv I can't say the word jeez improvisation is a good thing as opposed to just going with the flow yeah that was interesting for me because um Xavier where the cast character is very much based on me I didn't even realize until until you said it but I have definitely imbued Xavier with some of my own struggles and the, the struggle to, to make the break between your chronic planning and just saying, this feels right, I'm gonna do it, has definitely been a big issue for me throughout my life. And, and it became an issue for Xavier also. So I would like to talk a little bit about your writing process and to sort of what brought you to the point where you felt like this was the time to write a book. It was a pretty bizarre process in that um, if you talk to any of my childhood friends with whom I'm still very close, I and they would all tell you, yes, Ellie was born to be a writer. That was what she was supposed to do. And I spent most of my professional career as a writer. I, I uh, owned a consulting company, but I started it as a plain language writer and I kind of specialized in plain language reports, that sort of thing. But even though I did a lot of poetry and fiction as a kid, I didn't do it as an adult. And I kind of nagged myself and berated myself as did my, my girlfriends all my life to for God's sakes, get off your ass and write a book. <laughs> and so, the way it and the reason I avoided it was because of my propensity for for chronic over planning, because the idea of sitting down and mapping everything out struck me as being just gruesome. Oh. And I think what happened as I got older, and it was primarily in working with dogs, that I unleashed my improvisational side, because I find with dogs, I don't plan. I get up, whether it's my dog or a student's dog, I get up, I'm working on a problem, 
but I don't know exactly what I'm going to do basically until I'm up there with my leash or my hands on the dog. And then like magic, I know what to do. And I think that it was the 20 years that I spent getting comfortable with that degree of intuition and improvisation, which finally led me on May 1st at the cabin after we'd been there for a couple of months because we ran away from Ottawa from the pandemic to just sit down and say, eh, what the hell? Let's see if we can write a book. And it was, <laughs> it was like that. I just sat down, started writing. I did not have an outline. I had, I had key concepts that I knew I wanted to work with, but I would let the um, intuitive side reign it started with Xavier, so I would write a chapter and then I would outline. Then I'd write another couple of chapters. After a while, I was outlining both backwards and forwards, but the driver was definitely the writing. And in the writing, the big driver were the chapters by Xavier because they were so much fun and they just flowed through me. It wasn't as if I was doing it, they just happened. So once you finished your first draft, then I'm guessing you had to go back and kind of hone things, put things into kind of a more edited um, sort of sort of way so that you could actually decide what you wanted to keep in and take out. Um, did you find the editing process to be difficult? Well, turns out, Shannon, that your premise is wrong. Oh, That's certainly what one would expect. But that's not the way it worked because throughout my 30 years of, as a consultant and a chronic over planner, I did what every reader or writer is cautioned not to do. I always did a constant edit as I wrote. Oh. So each time that I sat down, I would edit what I had done previously. And so when it came time to, when it was done, um, it was certainly a, a polished manuscript already in terms, of, in terms of copy edit and in terms of everything. But what I did was um, enlist a group of beta readers, about a dozen of them, people, all of whom I trust enough to tell me the truth. So I sent it out to my beta readers, got their recommendations and responses, and frankly, didn't do a lot as a result of it. They, they pretty well liked it at that point. So I did some tweaks, but there was never, oh my God, a massive overhaul. And there was no point at which I sat down while I was writing and went, oh, well, you've written yourself into a corner now and you're screwed. <laughs> oh. it, was, it was just, um, I have to do it again to see whether emergence was an aberration and just something that had to happen at exactly that point in my life, or whether that's what the, the novelistic process is for me, which would be just wonderful. <laughs> so how long did it take you to get from kind of start to finish in writing the novel? You ready for this? Three months. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. That's it awesome. was amazing. I was totally, I, again, I had avoided doing it for 50 years because I thought it was going to be such a long, gruesome job. It was start to finish, three months. It was obviously time. Yeah. <laughs> it was time, yes. <laughs> was there any, like you mentioned, um, 
keeping yourself from being wanting everything perfect but was there anything in the whole writing process that you found the most difficult I found the cast chapters um for for your listeners the book is written in two voices one is a first person voice of Xavier the uh adolescent boy and there's a third person narrator for the cast chapters um I didn't have any difficulty, as I said, with the Xavier chapters. They just seemed to flow through me. Um, I found Cass um, less, much less fun than Xavier. <laughs> and I did have to work hard to keep um, some of the personal Ellie stuff that I thought was intriguing, but not really relevant <laughs> out of the story. <laughs> I struggled, for example, there's a, there are a couple of episodes in which, uh, towards the end, in which lucid dreaming feature. And um, I did struggle with whether or not, and and I am a lucid dreamer and have had lots of fun throughout my life controlling the direction of my dreams. And I did struggle with whether or not that was just sort of gratuitous. Um, But as it turned out, I thought that it, it, the way it worked into the book, I was happy with. So I was at peace with it. So now that you have written one book, what do you see as kind of your next step? Will there be more? Can you hear the sigh? I hope it transmits. I can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. And in keeping with my um, more recent evolution as a less driven human, I'm going to wait and see what evolves. I, I have had a number of people saying, sequel, sequel, sequel. We, we want to hear more about Xavier. Um, it, he is the one who, as I hoped, has, has captured people's imagination most. I don't know. I don't think that I want to do uh, a sequel because life is short and I am old. So... Um, <laughs> I think I think I want to try it again more than anything to find out whether the process that I described for you which was just so much fun and you know I hate to sound to to sound like this but it was kind of magical it I was so happy during those 3 months that I was writing I never felt more sure-footed I never felt more able I was just having a great time. And so I, I do want to try it again because I'd like to find out again whether, whether emergence was just an aberration, it happened at that point and that was it, or whether that's who Ellie Beale's author is, in which case, yeah, I, I will be doing it as much as I can because it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you will definitely have to keep us posted as to how that's going and whether we can anticipate more books from you. Okay, I would love to. Um, are you a big reader? I am a big reader, although... Cool. Are, are there any books, are there any good books you've read lately or even in the past that you might want to recommend to our reader, to our listeners? Sorry. That's okay. Um, sure. I actually had a weird time having having been a prodigious reader all my life, like usually two books a week throughout my life. Um, something happened when I wrote Emergence and I got turned off. And 
just couldn't get into anything. So, which, which felt bizarre. I was, oh, I was, no, exactly. I was, I was lost. It was a very, I mean, other than when I was, when I was writing, um, you know, you know what it's like if you're a constant reader, not being able to do it anymore is. is I, well, awful. last year I read 700 books, so I know how it, it's to read. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a strange situation. So what I did was go back, I went back and I read the books that I believed, I reread the books that I thought had been my biggest influence on emergence, just to see whether I was right and, and if they were. So um, my influences and the ones that I went back to when I was in this, this strange drought, reading drought, uh, were Deliverance, Catcher in the Rye, uh, Lord of the Flies, and The Telltale Heart all of which were, were influences and emergence. And that at least kept me going with a book. Then eventually, oh, thank you, Ashley O'Drain. Um, I read- Push! The, yes, and I, I, I listened to your podcast with her a while ago and, and really enjoyed it. But the push was, was such a relief for me because um, psychological suspense has been the genre where I've lived primarily for many years. And I just yes. starting ones and going, nah, starting, nah. And when I got to the push, finally, it was like, hallelujah, I'm hooked. Thank you. So thank you to Ashley O'Dram because she saved me. I was really starving for a, a, that kind of good thriller. There are so many good thrillers in the world. It just makes me incredibly happy. Yes, and it was so shocking to not be able to to find any during that six month period. Oh, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine that. It was very off put. I learned how to play solitaire. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think about like books, solitaire, books. No books. <laughs> Well, yeah, as I said, it was definitely a kind of what the hell am I doing? I have to do Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so can you let listeners know how they can find you online if they pick up Emergence and want to leave reviews for you or just kind of get in touch and let you know what they thought? Absolutely. I have a website and it is Ellie Beal's author. So it is E-L-L-I-E-B-E-A-L-S-A-U-T-H-O-R, Ellie Beal's author.ca. And I would love to hear from people. Um, again, I'm still, you know, I'm checking Amazon every day to see what reviews are there. So it's very early in the process and I am very eager for input. Excellent. I'm going to pause to ask Brooke if she has anything else. I don't think so. If, if so far, I've really, really enjoyed the book. I, and I would love to hear from you, Brooke, when, Brooke and Shannon, both when, when you're finished um, to see whether, whether it continues. We will definitely let you know. Um, Ellie, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us both about 
your writing experience and just kind of giving us a chance to get to know who you are and what you are bringing to the book world. It was lovely to chat with you this afternoon. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, it's time for new books. So normally, and I think I've said this a few different times, normally the first Tuesday of the month is kind of the huge release day. And you might have a few other weeks that are pretty good, but usually it's like nothing tops that first week. But in March, although we do have some really good things out this week, I feel like the week of March 9th is actually the better in terms of number of books, like the better week. So having said that, I have about 20 new releases or so to tell you about. And I'm going to start, as always, with some books you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated releases of March episode. So I'm starting with a book that Brooke and I are both really excited about. She talked about it. I wanted to, but so did she. This is The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner, a dual timeline novel about poison and herbs, and it just looks so, so excellent. Then we have one of my most anticipated releases. This is Accidentally Engaged by Farah Heron. I loved her 2019 contemporary romance called The Chai Factor. I'm hoping that this one will be equally as lovely. And Stacy is very excited about the new Stephen King novel, which is out this week, and it's called Later. So now let's talk about new books like that you haven't heard us talk about. So first time mentions here, we have a few historical novels. First up is Band of Sisters. This is the latest novel by Lauren Willig. It is a standalone. It is utterly utterly captivating from start to finish. I was fortunate enough to read an early copy. It's set in France during World War I and is about a group of women from Smith College here in the U.S. who went to France to bring kind of relief aid to the French countryside, which has been ravaged by World War I. Um, It's just a novel of sisterhood. It's a novel of the deprivations of war, and also how people can make a difference in one another li- one another's lives. I just highly recommend it. This is Band of Sisters, and it's by Lauren Willig. We also have the conclusion to Patricia Bracewell's Emma of Normandy series. This is Steel Beneath the Silk, and... The first book in this series is called Shadow of the Crown. I haven't read it yet. I own it. In fact, I think it's sitting on my iPad right now. Um, And I really love these deeply detailed novels of royal life. Like those are some of my favorite types of historical fiction. And this is one I definitely want to check out once I've read the other two. So it's Steel Beneath the Silk. Emma of Normandy, book three, by Patricia Bracewell. So I'm stepping away from the historical now, and I want to talk about Life After Death. This is The Coldest Winter Ever, book two, by Sister Solja. I read the first book in this series in 2010 
as part of a book, uh, like a reading challenge that wanted me to read um, a book with a season in the title. And so I picked up The Coldest Winter Ever and I loved it so much. So this is the long awaited follow up to that where Winter, Winter Santiago is out of prison and ready to reclaim her life. Um, you see little bits of Winter in a novel that's called A Deeper Love Inside, which is the story of her sister Portia, but you don't really get to see how she lives her life after prison until this book. So I'm pretty excited about it. This is Life After Death, The Coldest Winter Ever, book two by Sister Solja. And now I want to talk about one of the most anticipated fiction titles of 2021. This is The Baddest Girl on the Planet, and it's by Heather Fries. This is kind of a coming-of-age story. It's set in North Carolina. It chronicles our heroine's life through various disappointments, but always at the core of it is this sense of hope and the knowledge that she is a strong, powerful woman determined to get through everything life throws at her. Um, this book has gotten a ton of positive buzz pre-release, and I'm really excited to check it out. This is The Baddest Girl on the Planet, and it's by Heather Fries. I'm also really excited for this next book. This is Infinite Country. It's by Patricia Engel. This is a short little book, um, right around 200 pages, and yet, from what I have heard, it packs a serious punch. I've not read it. Um, I haven't seen too many early copies of this, so this is one that I definitely plan to get as soon as I can. It's a look at immigration through the eyes of one family from Colombia. Some of them are still in Colombia, some have immigrated to the U.S. Some have been in the U.S. for a while and chosen to return to Colombia. So it is a look at immigration, the kind of diaspora that exists when people leave one homeland for another. I heard an interview with this author on another podcast, and I just really, really was struck by everything she had to say about community and the immigration experience as a whole. This is Infinite Country, and it's by Patricia Engel. Okay, I have to talk about a couple of mysteries because that's just how I roll. And it would be really sad, I think, to have a new book episode with no mysteries. So this is Every Last Fear. It's by Alex Finley. It's an author that I have not heard of. This might be a debut. It's about a family who was apparently featured in some sort of true crime documentary, um, a fictional true crime documentary, of course. And now this family is dead. The only survivor is one of the sons, and now, of course, people have to figure out the truth. Is he a survivor because he's the one who actually killed them? Did he somehow manage to get away from the killer? Like, what happened to this family? If you love psychological thrillers, this looks like it will be right up your alley. It's Every Last Fear by Alex Finley. And now let's talk about who is Maud Dixon. 
This is by Alexandra Andrews, and it is the story of a woman who becomes the assistant of a best-selling novelist whose name is, of course, Maud Dixon. And apparently this seems like her dream job. This is all she's ever wanted. She feels like she's finally going to get to know this author that she loves. But of course, once she starts working there... Everything is not as it seems, and all sorts of intrigue ensues. I'm really looking forward to this one. It is Who is Maud Dixon? And it is by Alexandra Andrews. And we like the name Alexandra here, because now I'm going to talk about a kind of futuristic thriller. This is Forget Me Not, and it's by Alexandra Oliva. And she wrote a novel... Oh, several years ago, called Every Last One, I believe. No, The Last One. That's what it's called. And it is um, a kind of sci-fi thriller. And this one feels kind of in that same vein, of course, with a very different plot. So it's a near-future thriller about a woman who is uncovering some secrets about herself, about her family, and, of course, about the world at large. I'm really looking forward to it. It is Forget Me Not, and it's by Alexandra Oliva. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about The Conductors. This is the first book in the Murder and Magic series by Nicole Glover. And this I know very little about, but what I do know caught my attention almost immediately as I was browsing like the new books in March. So this is based on the premise that the Underground Railroad exists and is somehow affiliated with magic. So not only are people fleeing from slavery, but magic is helping them to do this. Now, there have been some really interesting takes on the Underground Railroad, just kind of in general. Um, Colson Whitehead did one if, several years ago in which the railroad was actually a physical railroad that you could see. So this one is different because the railroad, you know, is not physical it's actually kind of metaphysical so i want to check this out it is the conductors murder and magic book one by nicole glover and i want to talk about some romance here some romantic suspense um so we're going to start out with float plan this is by Trish Dollar, and from what I've heard, this is a very, very sad, intense read. Um, if suicide is something that's difficult for you, you might not want to pick this up. But um, it's the story of a woman who has lost her fiancé to suicide. And eventually, she finds a second chance at love with an Irish sailor. So this is called Float Plan, and it is by Trish Dollar. And now let's talk about Penny Reed. So I read my very first Penny Reed book a couple of weeks ago. I read Beauty and the Mustache um, at Sarah's urging, and I loved it so much more than I expected. So now I'm excited to tell you that Penny Reed is releasing the second book in her handcrafted mystery series, which features Cletus and Jen from the Winston Brothers. And this is called Marriage and Murder. So it's Handcrafted Mystery, number two, by Penny Reed. I don't know, because I've only read one Penny Reed book, 
Um, and I don't know kind of how all the series relate. I'm not sure how necessary it is that you read the Winston brothers. I'm guessing it would be good to at least be familiar with Cletus and Jen before picking up this book. So this is Marriage and Murder, Handcrafted Mystery, number two, by Penny Reed. And then we have An Unexpected Peril. This is Veronica Speedwell, book six, and it is by Deanna Rayborn. These are historical mysteries featuring, of course, Veronica Speedwell, who is an expert on butterflies. And she travels around, solves mysteries, and of course finds love along the way. Apparently there is a romantic arc that moves through all of these books. I have recently grabbed the first book in this series from my local library, so I will be checking it out soon. But this one is An Unexpected Peril, Veronica Speedwell, book six, by Deanna Rayborn. Okay, how about some young adult titles to wrap things up? First up in YA, we have The Salt in Our Blood. This is by Ava Morgan, and it's about a teenage girl who has grown up with her grandparents taking care of her. When her grandmother dies, this means that she has to move to New Orleans to live with her estranged mother. And as she does this, she learns a lot about what caused her mother to give her up. There are some disturbing secrets and some personal growth. This looks really, really intriguing. It is The Salt in Our Blood by Ava Morgan. And now we have some young adult fantasy. Covet. This is Crave number three by Tracy Wolf. A lot of people talk about this as kind of like J.R. Ward's The Black Dagger Brotherhood meets Stephanie Meyer's Twilight. I have not read these, although I do own the first book and will check them out. But these are young adult vampire romances. So if that is your thing, you might want to grab this. It is Covet Crave Book 3 by Tracy Wolfe. Chain of Iron. This is The Last Hours Book 2 by Cassandra Clare is out this week. This is the sequel to Chain of Gold, which came out last year. And this is a follow-up to the Dark Artifice trilogy that Claire wrote um, that features Tessa and Jem and Will. So these are their kind of direct descendants and I'm super excited because I would really love the opportunity to see Tessa again. She was like one of my favorite Cassandra Clare characters. So if you have read the first book or even if you haven't, pick this one up and fall into the world of the Shadowhunters. This is Chain of Iron and it is Last Hours, number two, by Cassandra Clare. Red Tigress. This is the follow-up to last year's Blood Air by Amelie Wen Zhao. And this book was released in 20... Or the, the first book was released in 2020 amidst a lot of controversy. Um, it was pulled out for a while. Parts of it were revised and re-released. And now the second book in the trilogy is available. I own the first one. I really need to read it so I can move on to the second. But this is Red Tigress, Blood Air, Book Two by Amelie Wen Chow. 
And last, but certainly not least, we have the latest book from Adam Silvera. This is Infinity Reaper, Infinity Cycle, book two. And I have to be very honest and say that I don't necessarily love Silvera's young adult fantasy. I love his like deep emotional writing. I love the way he creates these characters that are so, so real and that deal with problems that are incredibly relatable. Um, and so because he does those things so well, I find the sort of fantasy or like dystopian aspects of the world to be distracting. My favorite Silvera book is History is All You Left Me. Um, that book like wrecked me. And it's one that I do plan to reread, even though it is so sad. There's just so much that's lovely about it. But a lot of Silvera's fans are really, really impressed by his fantastical writing. So I do want to mention this here. And it is Infinity Reaper. It's Infinity Cycle Book 2 by Adam Silvera. So that is all for me this week. I hope you are doing well, staying well read, and just doing your best to make it through each day. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.